What is going on, Panthers Nation? Carolina Dad here, your host of the Two Growls, One Roar podcast. Welcome back. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays as we get into New Year's and New Year's Eve. Sorry, I have tape in my hand. I'm distracting you and distracting myself. Hey, check out this new background behind me. Hopefully you see that I look a little more clear. We've upgraded the camera, at least temporarily, using Nolan's old phone. Nolan got a new phone for Christmas, so I said, hey, why don't I try resetting his phone that he has now, or won't have and use, and try that as the camera. And I'm doing that. It's taped up, though, to the computer, so I can't turn it and do the things that I want. I need to get a tripod, which will make for better viewing quality. But check this out. So we've got the fat head. Was not expecting this. We got the new pullover, Carolina Panthers. You can't see it, but my brother-in-law welded together this North Carolina Tar Hill uh, cut out of the mascot. And hey, folks, again, I know I got Clemson fans, South Carolina fans, NC State fans, Duke fans, ECU, App, all of the schools in North Carolina, UNC Charlotte. You know, I miss some just. UNCW, that's not football. So I don't want you to think that my college fandom bleeds over into this because NC State has been kicking some butt on the recruiting trail. It's a whole other conversation, folks. Hey, welcome back. I am dusting off the rust as I try to figure out. <laughs> it feels like it's been years since I've recorded a podcast. It hasn't, but that's just part of like you get into such a routine and you don't realize how much of a routine you are into just being able to come on and do this. You go away for a little bit. And you're like, oh, yeah, what do I need to do? How do I do this? But we're here, folks. We're here. We're here to talk about Green Bay and the Carolina Panthers. And let's go ahead and get it rolling. Rapid reaction. Rapid reaction. Hey, what a game. What a freaking game we saw. I was texting back with my buddy Caleb, again, my wife's best friend's husband, big Green Bay fan. My dad's a big Green Bay fan. Coming into this, it was like, can the, the Panthers pull this off? I tweeted out later in the week, like I felt like there was an opportunity, an opportunity for the Panthers to come out and get a dub, but they didn't do it. But they put on one heck of a show and were at least one second away from being able to tie, maybe send it into overtime. I can't complain. Cannot complain at all. Especially when I think about the duration of the game and going into halftime, like think that was about the time we had our you know Christmas Eve dinner when that was going on. So step away for a little bit, what, 20, 30 minutes, and you come back and like it starts to get competitive again. And you're like, hold on. The drive, I mean, Bryce really had no time at the end of that game, but still managed to work the field. I know, you know, people may complain that he worked the middle of the field on that play. You know, Green Bay kind of gave that to them. I, I'm not going to complain about it because that, I mean, that was the only opportunity, but they did what they had to do. It was his best passing day yet as a Carolina Panther. And before I get too far into the weeds, because this is rapid reaction, we are going to shift into numbers don't lie so we can look at the box score. Numbers don't lie. All right, folks, as I said, this was Bryce Young's best day as an NFL quarterback for multiple reasons, QBR and passer rating, 
So his QBR was 78.1, highest of the season. Passer rating was 110.0. And we knew Baker Mayfield had the perfect passer rating last week and just went off. We also saw Bryce Young eclipse 300 passing yards in a single game. We've not seen that. I know the, the plays at the end of the game really helped pad that, but I don't care. He played lights out, no turnovers, two touchdowns. He was 22 of 36, 8.7 yards per pass. Like this was by far his best game as an NFL quarterback. And the way that we got here, the way that Bryce was able to execute had a lot to do with getting some of these players involved that just haven't been involved or haven't been executing on you know all cylinders, but they got it going. Amir Smith-Marset, whether it was you know jet sweeps or getting him involved in the passing game, he came alive, scored the, the end-around touchdown. I think it was about a 20-yard run or so. And oh my gosh, man, DJ Chark. Talk about a baller. DJ Chark, let's look at his stat line. So DJ Chark, your leading receiver, six receptions, 98 yards, two touchdowns. When I was at training camp and I saw this connection and I saw the passes, I was like, this is who we're going to be getting. Like, this is the quarter, or not quarterback. This is the receiver that Bryce needs that can take the top off of the defenses. And it's just been kind of an up and down year for him. You know, a lot more downs than ups, but he's battled through. And hey, you know, he's figuring it out at the end of the year. And you hope that maybe the Panthers decide to retain him. If I, as, as a, if I was the GM of the Panthers right now, Scott Fitter, I'm finding a way to retain Shark. I'm finding a way to retain Amir Smith-Marset because both of these guys are going to be free agents. You keep these guys around to help them to develop that chemistry that they have with Bryce. You have Adam Thielen. You have Jonathan Mingo. I know Adam's another year older. But it's like kind of a, a different story from what I've been saying all along as we came into this. And for me, it's like you want to keep that continuity there with this team and these sets of players but then you start to float the idea of like, okay, so do you keep the offensive coordinator? Do you keep Thomas Brown here? I know we want an offensive mind to coach. That seems like the way that we're going. So, you know, all this may be a moot, moot point in the long run. But if I am the GM, whoever comes in, I am evaluating this and seeing the success that's there and saying, why not give it another year? Another year, and then you go out and you build uh, either through the draft or you go out and you get a T. Higgins or someone that can be a true number one paired with everything else that is on this roster. And you might have found something. Bryce was only sacked twice, two times, folks. It was a really big day for the offensive line. We saw Bryce scramble a little bit. As we go into this, let's talk about rushing. Not a not a big day for Chuba. 16 carries, 43 yards, but he did have one rushing touchdown. Amir Smith-Marset, two carries for 33 yards, 16.5 average, and the one touchdown. And then Bryce had four scrambles, four for 17. Man, tough day for Miles Sanders. Three carries for three yards. Three carries for three yards. I don't, I know I say it, I don't know what the solution is for him in the offseason, how you can convince someone else to take him. Because what we've seen is it's just, it hasn't worked out. And I know he hasn't said he wants out, but it's hard for me to imagine how you keep him around. Talked about DJ Chark's that Adam Thielen, another quiet big day, six receptions for 94 yards, 
15.7 yards per catch. Tommy Trimble coming alive as well. Another guy that I've talked about in the preseason. Like I wanted Tommy to come alive and, and be the tight end, the number one tight end, the pass catching tight end. And we see it for just a little bit. So today, or, or on Sunday, four catches, 59 yards. What a day. Steven Sullivan, three catches for 21 yards. I mean, dispersing the ball around. Amir only had one for 18. Mingo, one for nine. Chuba and Miles both had one as well. There were two fumbles. We've recovered both of them. So again, clean day for turnovers for both teams. So did not lose, uh, did not fumble, lose a fumble, excuse me, lose the ball or have an interception. Couldn't have asked for a better day. Frankie Louvu leading the defense as we talk about this and Derek Brown. 10 total tackles for Louvu, nine for Derek Brown. Louvu had one sack. Again, when you talk about the pieces of this team that are going to be around next year or that I want around next year, I start with Luvu, Brown, Bell, and Brian Burns. And I know this is more of the you know breakdown of, of the segment and, and numbers don't lie, and I'm kind of just mixing everything in just because I'm getting back into this. But when I kind of look at this, you know, driving home today, listen to a lot of sports radio. And one of the things that comes up was how much money is spent on offense versus defense. And I have not had the ability to sit down and even touch this, you know, looking at sports rack or track, whatever it is. And then over the cap or any of those that track spending cap spending for NFL teams. But there was a lot of talk about you don't spend your money on defense. Like you don't spend your money on defensive players. You spend it on offense and on the offensive side of the ball because that's the future. And if you think about the 49ers and a man, so I take a, man, a minute to pause our man, Nolan, congrats to him one for his Baltimore Ravens, demolishing them on national TV, Monday night football, Christmas day. Couldn't have been a bigger game or bigger win for that team. I'll say though, in the first quarter, you would have thought that they had lost the game. I'm like, dude, still a lot of ball to play, still a lot of ball to play. But when you think about the weapons and the money that's spent on the 49ers offense with Brock Purdy, I mean, his rookie contract is night and day from Bryce Young because you're talking about the first overall pick, 36 whatever million dollars versus the last pick in the draft overall, seventh rounder with, what, $900,000? Having Christian McCaffrey go out and buy the offensive team's Christmas gifts, because Purdy can't afford it. And they're like, good, good for McCaffrey. That's the other thing, man. And I know it's kind of, you know, side tangents. And I feel like every Panthers fan has felt that. To me, when you watch McCaffrey play for the 49ers, and I haven't watched him a lot because I, I primarily watch the Panthers. And then, you know, things come up. I'm lucky to get in a second game, usually a Thursday night game or possibly Sunday night, Monday night. Just depends on the schedule. I don't get to catch many other games, you know, time spent wisely, but I finally got to, you know, sit down and see him outside of highlights. And you just sort of like, how did the Panthers and Scott Fitter think this was a good decision to get rid of him? And we talk about DJ Moore, won't harp on that. But that's your numbers game. Now, big day for Raheem Blackshear, five returns. He averaged about 22.8 yards per return. Our man, Eddie Pinheiro, Tough day. He had a tough day. He was one for one on field goals, but missed the two extra points. You know, that was kind of critical. Not kind of. It was critical in the long run. And, uh, you know, I don't. I won't say it cost us because we ended up losing by 
three and that, you know, that would have been two extra points that we get on the board. But I know you're, you're kind of playing catch up earlier on in the game because of those misses. So just how it kind of kind of came there. And, you know, for anyone that wants to harp on Eddie, Eddie's, you know, if you go out and look at the stats, I think he's like 18th in the league. Justin Tucker, who many would consider one of the best kickers in the NFL, if not the best, has a worse field goal percentage than Eddie Pinheiro does this year. I think he's missed like four uh, 50 plus yarder, four 50 plus yard attempts this year. So if you're on the bash Eddie train, I don't want you to, to, to worry about bashing Eddie. And when you really break it down, so if I think it was when you look at the number of kickers that have attempted the same number of kicks as Eddie Pinheiro, which is around 29 or above, he comes in like eight or nine on the list out of those kickers. So like, he's okay, folks. He's okay. And I know people are like, you you need to upgrade his position. Like, who are you going to get? Every team is dying for a kicker. And then, you know, missed extra points are missed extra points. I'm not going to, you know, say that's nothing. But at the same time, like, it's going to be okay. The last thing we need to do is, is pull a rule and fitter and draft you know, a long snapper in the sixth. I can't get over that long snapper in the sixth round. Uh, our boy, Johnny Hecker, good as always. Three punts, 151 yards, 50.3 average. One inside of the 20. All right. Time to break it down. Carolina dad, breakdown. You know, breaking this game down, I kind of highlighted it. Seven to three after one, 16 to seven. As far as points scored, I should say, in the second quarter, Carolina scores six in the third and then 14 to 10 in the fourth quarter ends up being 33-30 final. What we saw in here was a game in which the Panthers looked like a football team. One, they have not scored 30 points the entire season. That was their highest points total of the season. It was the most points, I believe, since, I have to go back, the Seahawks game, if I if I have that correctly. So a lot of offensive production. And I think, it you know, we got to see some big plays, some plays where Bryce has time to throw the ball. He's getting it to receivers that, that have the ability to catch and maybe not get a ton of yards, but more than what we have seen to date. And as a fan, you have to take that. I mean, I think he was even on the FedEx Aaron Ground Player of the Week nomination. I don't think he got, I think, um, who was it? Joe Flacco, maybe Matt Stafford. I think he was above Matt Stafford, but I think Joe Flacco is going to get it because that dude's balling out to, what, 38 years old. Throwing a lot of interceptions, but hey, they keep winning football. I mean, can't can't really knock that. But it was a successful day for the offense. The team itself outgained Green Bay. And this was a game where when Green Bay went up, and you know, like I said, we go and eat lunch. I'm thinking, like, okay, this is gonna get out of hand pretty quickly. I don't think the Panthers are going to be able to stay in this game. Like, there's no way. This team is, and we see them fighting back, remaining calm, executing the way that they're supposed to execute, and being competitive. And I know, you know, you can talk about the NFL and are there moral victories. I think that's an argument that everyone would have. I'm sure there's some 
old school folks that will tell you there's no moral victory in anything. But I do believe at least there's there's a tiny sliver of, of a victory. Because if you look back at this in the fourth quarter, Panthers were down 30 to 16 with really that was right at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So they're down 30 to 16. Like, are we going to be able to make a comeback and get in this thing? We go out, end up scoring a touchdown. Eddie Pinero misses the extra point, and it's 30 to 22 with seven minutes left in the game. 30 to 22. And you're like, okay, well, we're going to need a defensive stop, and we're going to need to get the ball, and we're going to need to drive. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, if you look at their scoring drives, the one drive in the third quarter was 14 plays, 72 yards, took eight minutes off the clock. Love to see touchdowns. Love to, like, that's pure execution. Touchdown in the second quarter, eight plays, 77 yards, four and a half minutes off the clock. In the fourth quarter, nine plays, 60 yards, four minutes and 24 seconds. So they score that, seven minutes left, get the ball back, takes a minute and 42 seconds. They go to go down and tie it. So five plays, 70 yards, four minutes left in the game, and it is 30 to 30 because we convert the two-point conversion. What a play by Raheem Blackshear on that run, being able to convert that. And it was rocking, man. I mean, I know you had a lot of cheeseheads in the crowd and a lot of cheeseheads there, but it was a big day, very big day, and a big crowd, and you take that. It's 30 to 30. With four minutes left in the game, we give Green Bay the ball. And, hey, that replay, and I, in the moment when I watched it, I wasn't, like, super, like, concerned. When you go back and watch that replay and watch it and watch it and watch it, you question how that was ruled a catch. And I know it was addressed in the official write-up and summary that came out of this from the NFL when – you know, asking to respond that it was reviewed and they did confirm it. But like, how did they not see the angle or they thought that the pass was already completed when the ball is coming down and on the ground? And they said they felt that his hand was underneath it. I don't know. I'm not going to harp on it. Like the, if we were fighting for a playoff spot or more competitive, I'd be a little more ticked off. But you do question that. Sucks. Sucks as a fan. But, you know. The way I look at it, you're not going to get every single call, and they're not going to be perfect, even with everything that's in place. The NFL is not a perfect system with officiating and things like that. Yeah, you can get pissed. Like, I get pissed off all the time watching this, but it's nothing I can do, and I'm not going to pull a Pat Mahomes and come out here and complain and yell and fuss on a podcast about this, and we should have got this, and the refs ripped us off. You know, the the line that I talk about being a fan and or being someone that rep- – kind of semi-reports on the team and gives input. It's it's weird being in this position because there's a lot of times where I have to check myself now because I have a lot of raw emotion. When I'm watching a game, I want to tweet out and get mad about whatever's happening. Then I take a step back and I'm like, okay, it's not that that big or I'll have to see it from this angle. and be Because, I, I you know, seeing the folks that I follow and how they react and tweet and things like that, I'm like, the, the funniest thing happens when I tweet something and I'm ticked off in the middle of a game. And then I come back like five hours later. It's got like a thousand, not a thousand. That's a lot. Five fifty, whatever likes or retweets. And I'm like, wait a second. That I wasn't, I was mad, but that's just stupid. But people are still liking and tweeting and all that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Anyways, 
you have that miss, but then we, you know, the kick connect on the field goal. It's 33 30, 19 seconds left. And man, we were one second away. And I know fans are also upset about the end of the game with Bryce actually, did he get the, the playoff? I mean, you watch the replay or read the write up on it, and it says that, you know, when the ball was snapped, that it was at zeros by the time the ball hit the ground. And I'm like, you know, when you watch it in real time, I believe that. So it's not like I'm going to sit here and fuss about that either. It's just another tough day, another tough day in a Panthers fan. And that's the way it's been this whole season. If it could or would go wrong, it's going to go wrong for us. All right, folks, time for me to get into my two growls and one roar. And we're going to close this out. Two growls and one roar. All right, this week, this week, again, if you're just new to the show, I give out two growls, which are kind of like the the mini awards for the week, and a roar for, I guess, what we would call most outstanding MVP, whatever we want it to be. This week, I'm going to give my first growl. I'm going to go with offense this week, or at least in this first selection, and give it to Amir Smith-Marset. Come Big breakout game for him. I think there's a lot of other folks that I could put in that category. You know, whether it's a Tommy Tribble. I know uh, Brown, I've given it to him a few times. But I am going to give it to Amir Amir Smith-Marset. What a breakout game. What a breakout week for him. And he continues to get more touches. And you just question, you scratch your head. Like, where was he? Why did Frank not have this guy in the system? He wants to be here. He wants to be here and grow with with Bryce. He's only three years in the league. I think he is a piece that we have to have moving forward with this team, and I would love to see him continue to grow and develop. My second one, this is tough because like, I feel like in, in different situations, I could give it to this guy over this guy. And my second growl, I'm going to do this just because I'm going to give it to Bryce Young. So Bryce Young gets the growl for me. Got, you know, I went through the stats and numbers. What a breakout week. What a span of, of the past two weeks. I believe I saw someone posting that over the past two weeks, he's got like top five QBR among all NFL quarterbacks. We are starting to see the development that we thought we would get. And it's, it's coming together. You hope that none of this is wasted again with the new staff or whoever comes in. But I do like what I've seen out of him. Talked about the numbers, talked about the QBR, talked about the passer rating, and just continuing to battle back and just not quit. We are seeing the rise of the future of this franchise, and hats off to him. That leaves your roar. Your roar this week is going to go to DJ Shark. Six receptions, 98 yards, two touchdowns. Breakout game for him. And I know it's such a relief for him to get in the end zone, to score, to have this production that we have been dying for and just to get that off and like give us a little bit of hope i want to see this continue over the next you know two games as we as we finish this season but yeah great job y'all and again next year or hope maybe next week i'll try to get your fan input for those awards closing it out all right folks closing it out Closing out this week's episode, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up. And I'll be previewing them. I guess I'll record that. Who knows? A few days, maybe tomorrow. 
Trevor Lawrence potentially out of that game with a sprained AC right now, waiting to hear the update. I guess it's going to be day by day, last minute decision. I did see that they signed, speaking of the Jaguars, Matt Barkley off the Giants practice squad over to them, their active roster. Something to watch. We're closing it out. As a Panthers fan, there has not been a lot to cheer about this year. We've got two wins on the verge of a third. But here we are, Ben. Two games to go, and we are at the bottom of all bottoms. And at times, it can be very difficult to sit here and even think about possibly having success in this organization. But as the man of optimism for this team and the future of this franchise, there's a lot of it that's going to be coming. And my job over these next few weeks and months is to build that up. Now, it's not going to be the same as this past offseason where I'm building up saying that we're going to win 9, 10 games. It is going to be baby steps in the right direction of getting this team to be competitive. You look across at the Detroit Lions, a team that has never won the NFC North, a team that has never won or hasn't won their division in 30 years, almost the entire time that I've been alive, and they pulled it off. And they pulled it off with Dan Campbell at the helm. Dan Campbell, who was a part of the 04 team, the team, not 04, but 04 did not win a game, 04. And look at the success that he's had. The Panthers, whether it's a Ben Johnson, whether it's whoever, I'm not going to list off a ton of names, whoever that is, we've just got to take a deep breath and realize it's going to take some time, but we are on the path. Have patience, have patience, have patience. And as always, folks, keep pounding.